The Late Debate with Colm Mungan on RTE Radio 1. Who are the prize-winning politicians of 2023 according to our esteemed panel? What were the big stories that made an impact and kept you glued to The Late Debate? And what were the moments the booby prize winners might wish you'd forget? That's all coming up between now and 11 o'clock if my voice lasts. It's our last show, 2023, and our annual political awards show. And our judging panel for this evening are Kevin Doyle, Group Head of News at Media House Ireland, Christina Finn, Political Editor with The Journal, Louise Byrne, Political Correspondent with the Irish Daily Mirror, and Craig Hughes, Political Correspondent with the Irish Daily Mail. And uh, we do want to hear from you too. So what were your best, your worst political moments of the year? Who do you think did well? Who floundered? You can text us on this on 51551. WhatsApp us on 087-474-5353. 087-474-5353 if you want to mimic me in a voice note on that. You can try that either. You can email us on latedebate at rte.ie or send us a message on x on at latedebate rte. Now, what a year it has been and there have been many learnings as lessons are now known along the way. Just a mere 12 months ago, none of us knew what a barter account was, when you should recuse yourself from a local area committee meeting or how many vans or men it takes to put up posters in Dublin Central. But 2023 was a whole new world for Ireland. Let's have a reminder of some of the key moments of politics in the year gone by. So this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over And a new one just begun I want to let you know that I have resigned as Minister of State. hindsight and given the focus and perception among some, it would have been better had I not participated in the local area committee meeting. At the heart of this scandal are 19 children and their families. groups will not stop at constructing a toy gallows outside the doll or organising a riot. They want to up the ante. For weak and for strong The rich and the poor ones By providing for a total allocation of 22 and a half billion euro. And so happy Christmas For black and for of terror uh, on the people of Israel. It should be condemned and of course Israel had a right to defend itself. But but that original right to defend itself has now become, in my view, a war on children. Um, And you cannot build peace on the mass graves of children. you is uh, fig leaf, an exercise of the most brazen arse covering that I have ever heard in this chamber. Those people who you are speaking of, those who are marginalised in our community, those who are seeking international protection are the very people that those thugs and scumbags on 
Thursday night saw it to intimidate. I was sure wondering maybe why one story of the political year didn't feature there, namely the one about uh, RTE and its financing. Uh, you, uh, you're in for a treat later on. There's a whole special musical <laughs> montage devoted to that with its own special, special musical soundtrack. Um, Kevin Doyle, what, um, which parties or groups of independence had a good year and who had a bad year politically? I think if on a good year, I actually think well, it mightn't be reflected in the polls that Fianna Fáil have had quite a decent year uh, because Micheál Martin has transitioned quite well into foreign affairs. Uh, Michael McGrath has transitioned uh, quite comfortably into finance so much that in less than a year, he's already looking for a big job in Europe. Um, and um, while they've had some troubles within the party, the ship seems to have been steadied away from heaves and all the rest. So I think Fianna Fáil have had the steadiest year out of the big political parties. Um, you could maybe say the Sock Dems have had a decent year. Um, they've had a, a lot of high profile moments and they've also kind of got the younger folk um, out front and centre since um, Roisin Shortall and uh, Catherine stepped back. So a bloodless transition. A bloodless transition would be one way of putting it. Certainly Holly Cairns um, made it clear that there would be no blood so long as she became leader. Uh, and so it transpired. So I think they probably had a, a good year. As for the the independent side of the house, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag, really, in terms of there's been a lot of shouting, but I don't think any of them have particularly stood out or, or made a, a a lasting impact, shall we say. They might have made a momentary impact, but not a lasting one. All right. Um, Craig, who's at the ups and downs? Yeah, I think it is hard to look away from the Taunasha. I think when the Middle East became <clears throat> such such a dominant story here, I mean, I can't remember a time when a foreign story has, has dominated Irish political discourse. Um, he, he led the Irish line very well in that and, and walked a very delicate uh, tightrope between what was diplomatically acceptable, but also uh, really pushing back and giving the Irish view, which I thought was very good. From Sinn Féin's point of view, they started off very strongly, um, but they're now vying for, 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 the, for, for, the, for the bell to come with the Christmas break because once once the topics went off health and housing and 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 transitioned to the Middle East and law and order they really struggled and that seems to be reflected in the polls in um, the last few weeks. All right, uh, opposition not really mentioned, I suppose in detail in terms of the main party of opposition Sinn Fein. There, Christine, how mm. how did, what kind of a year did they have in twenty twenty three? Yeah, Sinn Féin, I think, as you said, like they started off well, um, but you know, I think when you come into the last few polls that we've seen. Um, you know, we've seen that fall off, I think, you know, at the beginning, it just seemed that th- there was no stopping them, that, um, you know, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael were being left behind. But, you know, as we come into the second half this year, we've seen, I suppose, two polls seeing some fall off, people calling that a trend. We've seen Mary Lou MacDonald uh, fall behind in popularity from Leo Radker, which I'm sure is is probably not where she wants to be as we head into 2024. And again, that's sort of on the backdrop, I think, of, of the discussion around the security issues, the Dublin riots and, you know, that narrative about the uh, motion of confidence or no confidence in Hal McEntee and perhaps the misstep that that, that the party um, put themselves perhaps in the firing line there and weren't maybe as best prepared for um, the onslaught that was coming across them across the Dáil Chamber. All right. And, but, you know, um, Louise, the for, for a party that perhaps improved in the polls in the shape of Fine Gael, it seems that key members are not keen to stick around until the next election to see how those polls might bear out in votes. 
And it's kind of remarkable because we have seen Fine Gael, they haven't had a brilliant year. I wouldn't say they've had as good a year as Fine Fall, but they've had an all right year. There's been some bumps in the road along the way. But I think the big story of the year politically that everyone is really kind of still talking about and I think it's going to continue probably into the new year is the amount of people walking away. I think we're at eight TDs now who have said they're not standing the next election. Now, the argument in Fine Gael is, well, you have the likes of, you know, Fergus O'Dowd, Richard Bruton, uh, Charlie Flanagan, who have been around for decades and who are, you know, deserve retirement, some would say. But then you have younger people like John Paul Phelan, Brandon Griffin, who probably have, if they wanted to stick around and Fine Gael had a good shot on government, perhaps a junior ministry, a cabinet ministry in them somewhere if things were to change. So I think that's been a really interesting thing so far this year because we saw before with Fianna Fáil and what followed with Fianna Fáil was a massive, massive crash for the party they lost dozens of TDs I think Fine Gael will be hoping that that is not repeated so I think they'll be glad to be going into the new year with a bit of a tiny boost in the polls and, a, and indeed a bit of a boost for Leo Varadkar as well he was overtaken Mary Lou MacDonald in popularity for the first time in I don't know how long but a very long time Alright um, <clears throat> I'm going to try and drop my voice a bit more and try and get a, a bit more purchase You sound on, like Santa On my And what do you want for Christmas Louise Um Craig, take us back to the start of the year. There were revelations on the ditch website. So, you know, government parties may have finished stronger in the polls. It, it didn't augur well at the beginning of 2023. There were revelations on the ditch website about certain government politicians, uh, top to bottom in, uh, in, in, in the government parties. So it, it and then throughout the year, there was housing, there was immigration and then culminating outside the doll some rather nasty scenes. So it did. Yeah, it was quite a turbulent start to the year. I mean, it's easy to forget it, but I mean, they lost two two junior ministers over quite significant issues. Um, and we saw that Robert Troy could be facing, you know, further investigations from, from SIPO over over the undeclaration of 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 his um, property assets. And I think at that point you were kind of kind of everyone was was looking for the government popularity to to keep decreasing, but it it it, it kind of stabled off and and has crept back up so, slowly. But you you mentioned the protest outside the doll, and it's very difficult to, if you look forward to next year, uh, getting away from the question of immigration that seems to be dominating. And I think even looking at the the, the poll. The poll and Sunday Independent, which has been tracking this for for quite some time, of people's top two election issues, like immigration, is now above above twenty percent, um, and so the government is is in a difficult situation in terms of how they delicately address that and also also stave off the kind of dog whistling that you've had from 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 some ranks within the Oireachtas as well, has to be said. Yeah, but <coughs> excuse me, what um, I suppose. When you look at how that issue particularly played out mm. over the course of the year, there, Christina, blessed with an opposition that mm. seems to share the concerns in certain quarters. We heard Sinn Fein in the last debate talking about stressing. I think every speaker that got up said they don't believe in an open border policy. So, where the government constrains its offering to say Ukrainian migrants, there wasn't much pushback from the opposition yeah, benches. Yeah, that it. was really interesting. When you know, there's been a lot of talk about the. T- the curtailment of the supports for uh, Ukrainian refugees. Um, as Leo Varadkar said, the measures that were announced this week were kind of well flagged. Um, yes, there was some um, discrepancies within Cabinet about exactly um, what they were going to be made up of. Um, but then, you know, when when, a, when the government comes out with some sort of cutbacks, you do all, almost expect an opposition to come back pretty strong. But the reaction from Sinn Féin was very much um, 
tempered in terms of yes we kind of see where the government is coming from here um but they move the focus onto housing as in okay you've brought in this measure but after the 90 days where are people going to go so they're very much back on i suppose the issue that they're most comfortable on in terms of hammering the government on delivering of housing and I suppose they're trying to separate that out from from the immigration issue and just hammer them on on straight stats uh, heading into twenty twenty four. All right. Well, let's get to our first award of the year, and that's um, <clears throat> political diss of the year. Um, Craig, you first. Political diss of the year. I'm trying to think what the what my best one for that would be. Right. I'll, I'll pass on for Christina. <laughs> you um, go first. Then. Yeah. yeah, I went for um, the Thomas Pringle dropping the 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 f bomb in the doll. I'm, I don't know. I'm always in favour of he- hearing a bit of profanity in the doll uh, when it happens. You know, it, it always makes the the journalists. Um, you know. Uh, brightens up our day, I suppose, in terms of coverage. So um, this was sort of a an off-the-cuff remark that uh, Thomas Bringle um, threw over towards the independent benches and um, didn't go down well very with um, the Cairn Corla. And I think he even mentioned it today in his closing um, remarks. Uh, it's the end, it's the last day, obviously, of the doll. And he was very much urging um, people to, you know, think about their language that they use uh, in the doll, perhaps heading into the new year. He didn't seem very happy that we've had, as we've, we've heard, you know, um, the F word said, we've had, you know, arse covering. Did we have communist? Did we have blackguard <laughs> or any of the other archaic yeah, ones? Yeah, no, there is so a long banned. list of words that you're not meant to say uh, in the doll. It's quite lengthy. Um, and obviously the the big one is Helen McEntee using the word scumbag in, in the doll. That's the one that got probably the biggest focus. But I think in terms of... Um, perhaps a bit of not a very serious, um, right. you know, back and forth, but... We could call it the Paul Gogarty Award. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's, that's wheeled out uh, time and time again. Uh, Craig, yeah. I think, um, as, the, as the great cliche goes, when I was talking to your researcher earlier, you might have mentioned Michael D. Uh, Higgins and uh, his description of the consultative forum. Why did, why did you pick well, that one? I actually picked something else now. <laughs> 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 go back, go sack the researcher. Okay, well, you're in danger of your chances yeah. of winning the Paul Gogarty um, Award here. I, I actually turned it on its head a bit and I went to it with the, with the worst this of the year, which, which was Leo Varadkar uh, telling Mary Lou MacDonald that she was the, the great misleader. And, and I just thought it was. Did you, see, did you see what he did there? It fit. Because she's Miss <laughs> and she's a leader. Did you see what he did there? But it just felt so badly. And he was trying to deliver it like he's some sort of Bond villain. And, I just, and he used it again recently. I went, oh, this is one to be, <laughs> one for the, the cutting room floor, you know? Yeah, it was the, 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 who's the action hero in The Simpsons? Or they, he was asked to repeat the catchphrase. It was supposed to be up and at him, but he, he just he couldn't get his head around it. Um, well, let's go for. What the what what won out there, Craig? Seeing as you turned your back <laughs> on your own earlier nomination, uh, we're going to give it to Thomas Pringle's f bomb for diss of the year. Let's hear what he had to say. I'm doing my I'm uh, this has gone too far, Minister. I'm taking to the rescue because he'll get in the ne- next year or the year after or whenever it is. The people are waiting for him to deal with this thanks, because he hasn't dealt with it. Yeah, thanks, Deputy Hurry. Now can we go back to the consultant forum? We might go to the independent group. Uh, Deputy Pringle, you have three and a half minutes. Thank you. Thanks very much. Can I just want to say before we start that I want to be totally dissociated from any of the comments that were previously made here in the chamber because I think it's an absolute disgrace. And um, so I just want to make that clear before I go on. 
Thank you for the opportunity to speak in the, on the report of the Consultative Forum on the National Security Policy. It, 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 it is no secret that... It is no secret... Well, it's obvious you don't fucking listen to what anybody says, because that's not what I said. So if that's not any more, open your ears and stay your mouth. You may fucking understand what people are saying. Right, there you go. We're after the watershed. I'm reliably informed by our esteemed broadcast coordinator, Sean Marin, that uh, McBain is the name of the action hero I was trying to think of uh, in The Simpsons. Now, a special mention. I said at the outset we'd left it out of the opening montage, but um, the, the, the public pillorying of uh, RTE was the gift that gave for newspapers for gaffes and awkward conversations. It wasn't necessarily a gift that gave for RTE. As lots of people seem to give up paying their licence fee as a result uh, of the debacle. Kevin, what was your key moment as when RTE was hauled in front of the Oireachtas and uh, put through the ringer of not one but two committees? Well, what were your key moments? Th- there were several key moments because we all remember they were box office days. I mean, th- it wasn't all good for RTE but the viewership they got mm-hmm. on RTE News Now for those uh, Oireachtas mm-hmm. hearings must have been a uh, record in their own right. The truly so, spiteful would have watched it on the Oireachtas TV. The pure spite. But there were many, many memorable moments weren't there. A few of them um, I think stand out. One was when the um, Chief Accountant, Chief Financial Officer in RTE couldn't uh, come up with his own salary when put on the spot. That was one of those absolute cringe moments that I, I remember certainly in the Irish Independent newsroom. It was one of those moments where everyone went silent because it was like waiting for the answer and the answer wasn't coming. Um, but I think that the standout uh, well, sorry, there was also uh, Noel Kelly being asked what he did when uh, he worked. Pre- they were going through Noel Kelly's uh, record and how qualified he was to be doing the job he kind of was. And he talked about working in Cadbury's and Brian Stanley asked him. <laughs> we, we have Let's a do it. Yeah. Yeah. Where are yours? NK CMS for uh, 26 years before I worked for Cadbury's. Um, before what were you selling for Cadbury's? Sorry? What were you selling for Cadbury's? Cadbury's? Yeah, chocolate. Chocolate, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Literally does what it says on the tin <laughs> there, <laughs> isn't it? I think Colin, my standout moment though, out of all those RTE hearings, was Matty McGrath because it was the moment that in some ways um, showed you the rural D4 divide you know we sit here tonight in in Dublin 4 and there is this perception um, that we're all sitting on thrones and drinking champagne Um, whereas Matty McGrath for the plain people of Tipperary asking the RT executives who are they loyal to and the sheer confusion as we went back and forth in that moment was just brilliant you'll be delighted to hear (laughs) we are that clip who I ask again who are you loyal to who who, who are you supposed to sell to can I just ask one question? Who are we lying to about what? Loyal to. Loyal. Loyal to. Loyal. Sorry. Jesus. I didn't right. you were lying. Loyal, loyal, loyal. Well, the absolute number one relationship is with the audience. That is the primary thing and that's what's been shattered here in terms of public trust. And the relief. The relief <laughs> as, he feels, as Adrian finally learned what that word. Loyal, loyal, loyal. Okay, uh, let's have a listen. We have put together a few of the special moments. We'll come back and talk about the proceedings at the committee after this. In the shining light, I can see your face. I can see your smile lighting up the place. And then 200 units of flip-flops for the summer party for agencies and clients, €4,956. So 200 pairs of flip-flops at €34 each. And all of these, all of these entries ask more questions of RTE. Who was benefiting? 
Who knew what? I don't know what my exact salary is off the top of my head, of course, don't but I can give you. I, no, I can give you. Sorry, Chief yeah. Financial Officer of RT can't tell us what he's paid. I'm supposed to buy that. Okay, I, I believe my salary is around two hundred thousand base salary, plus a car allowance of twenty-five thousand. I'll ask again, who are you lying to? Who, who, who are you supposed to sell to? Uh, can I just ask one question? Two are we lying to about what? Lyle to. Lyle. Loyal to. Loyal Sorry. To. I didn't hear right. you lying to. Loyal, loyal, loyal. Well, the absolute number one relationship is with the audience. That is the primary thing, and that's what's been shattered here in terms of public trust. Because last year was the What are we selling for Cadbury's? Sorry? What are we selling for Cadbury's? Cadbury's? Yeah. Chocolate. Chocolate. Okay. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That exchange, the chocolate exchange, uh, Louise, wrapping up that, uh, that montage. Who stood out for you in terms of their pursuit of the main material issues? Who did themselves a few favours in their interrogation of the public service broadcaster in either the public accounts or the uh, Media and Tourism Committee? I think this is one of, this was one of the opportunities where we actually got to see the committees doing really good work. And I think oftentimes people don't really pay attention to Iraq, this committee. And there is now, sometimes they are so boring and you have to sit through it and you're like, I can't believe they're making me do this. And then other times you see some really good work being done. And I think in this instance, there was really good work done. Um, now, there was showboating from some people. You can't deny that. But I think the two people that really stuck out to me um, both from Fine Gael actually one was Brendan Griffin um, I thought that he was brilliant and it just seemed that like no matter where he came in the chain of events he always managed to find out something new in these committees and I'll never forget I think it might have been the first time that RTE were in front of the media committee and he said to Shuni Raleigh um, something like um, did you ask D Forbes to resign and she was like yeah and, and Brendan was like well did you tell the minister and Shuni Raleigh was like no I didn't tell the minister and it was just one of those moments you were like it was, it was bombshell like it was just in that first it was the kind of the first real time you'd heard from anyone and I thought Brendan was really really good He also had that uh, fantastic All Politics is Local press release <laughs> where, where he devised the number of TV licences uh, that all, all of Trilly, was a Trilly and yeah. Killarney mm-hmm. that was the amount of money that was spent on the flip-flops or one of the various uh, barter account purchases yeah. and it was just like that's how you sell it to your local constituents I don't know if TV licence sales in Kerry have increased as a result but um, the other person I thought did really well was Alan Dillon um, and maybe for he, maybe he wasn't as you know as prominent as Brendan Griffin would have been but again I think really forensic you saw him a lot because he was on the public accounts committee he was on the media committee and I thought the two of them did really well the other person who I thought was brilliant in the whole thing was um, Imelda Munster from Sinn Féin now I know she divided terrifying terrifying, (laughs) and I know she divided opinions a little bit and I know some people were like she's brilliant she's on the money she's interrogating them whereas other people were saying that she came across very abrasive very you know aggressive sometimes but in fairness to her she got answers every single time and I think this was a good example I think by the end of it none of us ever wanted to watch a committee again but I think it was a really good example of committees doing really good work Right and I, I think on that though as well as, as a journalist when you're watching those committees and, and you, there's so much information you want to get out of them 
and then you hear a politician talk for two minutes yeah. before they answer the question. They've got they've got three minutes to answer. You're kind of going to ask three questions, you know? Yeah, you also have the thing of the My politician. Says that to me all the time. <laughs> you have the thing though of the politician like repeating what the politician in front of them asked because mm. they were like, oh, they got a good answer to that. Will I get a little clip from my social media now yeah. if I ask that again? So sometimes there is a lack of strategic planning, I think, before they go into committee where the, if you want to actually get the juggler answers, they you know, what about answers you regret you get? Like Timmy Dooley asking <laughs> oh, about the exactly. car going I was back. just thinking, yeah, so well, you and know. you turn quicker than your average Renault. Yeah, now in fairness, he seemed to have gotten some sort of stare that there was something amiss, like ask about the car and he didn't know that actually it was probably the, one of the most prominent, Claire, um, well-respected broadcasters that was uh, going to have to hand it over that day. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure how uh, how happy he was with that. I think he's, he's heard quite a lot about it, I think, over the last number of months. But I think the, the one of the big moments of that committee was I think when Ryan Tuberty was speaking about his salary and saying that it did not affect his soul. <laughs> now I was at the committee at the time and you could to see the reaction on some of the politicians' face just it it was just well, my Comical, my I issue think. was I was in the back of the committee and I accidentally rolled my eyes and I think Ryan Tuberty might have seen me do it and I didn't mean to do it but I was directly in his eyesight but it had just been such a long day I think it was coming towards right. the end that moment is actually a nom- is one of the nominations um, for the next award because um, well give us we have um, uh, three of them there you have we have Ursula von der Leyen on the kind of more geopolitical level for her uh, very early tweet. Uh, unequivocal in uh, support of Israel, which resulted in considerable backlash from a number of European governments. Uh, Helen McEntee, for her earlier in the year, it has to be said, before the riot, saying Dublin is safe, uh, and Ryan Tuberty for saying the salary didn't affect his soul. You nominated all three of those moments. Christina, (laughs) talk us through them. Why? Yeah, well, um, I I think particularly uh, if you want to get like down to serious stuff, I suppose, Ursula von der Leyen um, tweet in particular, in terms of being out of touch with um, the Irish uh, perspective, I suppose. Um, I was over in Europe at the the last council meeting before this one, and it was just interesting to see the sort of juxtaposition, I suppose, between some of Ireland and the perspective that we're perhaps pushing for ceasefire and how difficult that seems to be. And I think when people saw that tweet, it really just did spell out, I think, the differences that... Uh, between the European countries and where they stand and all this. And I don't think because it was sort of early days when um, obviously it was early in October, I I don't think it had really hit home here in Ireland that actually we were somehow saying ceasefire was a bad word. I think people were quite um, taken aback that this was being taken up one way in Europe and seeing Ursula von der Leyen sort of tweeting out um, that Europe, uh, that Israel had um, Europe's unwavering support in whatever action it wanted to take, um, and I think that's really done damage. I think to the um, to the European project. I think from an Irish perspective, you know, Fianna Gael has always, you know, Ursula von der Leyen is in the EPP, which so is Fianna Gael with Leo Varadkar, and he himself has said, you know, when that tweet went out, that he had told her that he thought it was, um, you know probably not the best idea. Um, and there was also her commission colleague, <laughs> Oliver Farhala, who said that. Exactly, you know, yeah. And, and a, lot of, a lot of other officials, a lot of officials I, within the European Commission as well. And I, I think people thought this was sort of dying away. But as this continues on, um, you know, I think it does bring into question um, maybe people at home and, and 
Ireland looking at Europe and trying to, you know, figure out where we stand on it and, and <clears throat> asking, I suppose, the bigger questions about, um, you know, are we being represented uh, in the way perhaps um, that we want to be? I is think, our voice... I think was making that point. <clears throat> yeah, is our <laughs> voice, right, exactly, is our voice loud well. enough or what not? What I thought was very interesting about, about that tweet, though, was at the time, and it, it, it the dial has shifted significantly since then, but remember the backlash that Sabina Higgins got for suggesting mm-hmm. that there'd be peace talks in Ukraine, and yeah. it, it was just treated completely differently, and I thought that was just an, yeah. an interesting way to look at that one, you know? Yeah. Two very different circumstances, though. Yes, but <clears throat> but at the at the at the point it, it, that was in the immediate aftermath of, of the attacks, so it was you know it, it, at the time that the the thing in, in Europe was they still had the right to defend themselves within reason. We know that since then they've gone above and beyond beyond what anyone thought was acceptable. But it was just an interesting just position juxtaposition that when Sabina Higgins said that it was so outlandish at the mm-hmm. time and, and and the pushback that it got. All right, Kevin. Um, of those three, Ursula von der Leyen's tweet, Helen McEntee saying Dublin is safe, or mm. Ryan Toberty saying it doesn't affect my soul. I think what? I would go with Helen McEntee for two reasons. One is the fact that she said Dublin is safe at a time when there is a lot of antisocial behaviour in Dublin, and anybody who walks around Dublin on a day, which I do every day, I'm on Talbot Street, one of the worst streets in Dublin. Um, I don't know that Helen McEntee has been on Talbot Street except for the second reason, which was the photo call that she did flanked by Pascal Donoghue and a load of male guardy that I'd get out of the way for if I saw them coming down the road. Um, and that was just across from our offices there, which is not a pleasant par- part of town most of the time. So be, be, not because of the offices, though. Not, no, it, we, it used to be uh, ourselves and Irish Water used to have our offices side by side. And that used to be the, the biggest problem on Talbot Street. Um, not anymore. Uh, during all the scandal, they used to pull the blinds down so we couldn't see in their windows in case we'd see anything. <laughs> but we've moved on from that. No, it, it seriously, though, it, it's not a great part of town. And the very fact that she said it was safe, did that walk down the street? It just looked terrible at a time when people were worried and as it played out in in the last couple of months and weeks um, the whole problem around safety in Dublin has escalated and so that looks even more foolish now and the truth is yes Dublin is safe if we compare it to some far-flung cities like maybe you know New York or Boston or some bigger places it, it people didn't feel safe and so your minister telling you you're being silly it's safe and isn't at, how you manage and, and that at politically. At that press conference, she was saying, I walk up um, from the three arena after a gig, no pro- no bother at all. And I think a lot of us were at that press conference going, don't, doesn't she always have guards, mm. a guard presence mm. around her? Like, I, I wouldn't mind walking up from the three arena if I had a couple of guards around me either. So, you know, putting out that argument time and time again about how she walks around, not a bother. Um, you know, it's it's not really apples and oranges there. It was a valiant rear guard action, Kevin. But uh, you've been outvoted three to one, and it's 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 the sole moment that uh, that that wins. Let's have a listen to it. Do you think your te- integrity is damaged? Tonight? I don't think I'm a different person to the one who, in the last six months or fourteen years, promoted. Vincent de Paul or no, I'm not to told children not to bully each other or no this is my answer to your question or promote child literacy and do all these really important things that I think matter not just to me but to you know my fellow citizens like literally kids reading all these important things and it, and, and, and yes this this salary is enormous I understand that but that doesn't affect my soul it can't <laughs> Yeah, can I change Correct. my vote? <laughs> 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 I, mean, I, I think they've made a song we're, about that. Yeah, I think, but this was like hour seven as well. Like we had had 
packed that morning and we had the media committee in the afternoon. So it was like, I think we were all just exhausted. And when he came out with this line, everyone was just like, how is he still going? How is he still coming out with the these things? Man. The toy man. Okay, on that note, we'll go to a break. We'll be back in a minute. The Late Debate with Colm Munga on RTE Radio 1. All right, hello again. We're going to look at our political uh, awards as we do at the end of every year. We've already spoken about um, discourse inside the doll, but um, Louise was some pretty shocking scenes outside the doll in the form of some ugly protests and some of the imagery uh, that was brought along as well. It was a bit of a wake up call, I think. Yeah, and I think we had heard for a long time that there was an element brewing. I don't think anyone expected what we saw outside the door on the first day back in September. Um, and I remember being in there from early morning and we had been warned the night before that there was barriers going up, that there's going to be roads closed. Um, and I we just thought it was going to be like any other protest. But what transpired was a very large protest. And I think a few of us were inside at a the opposition press conferences which are always held on the first thing on a Tuesday morning and someone sent us a picture of a gallows outside with pictures of it was kind of everyone really I think the Taoiseach was up there I think the Thanisha Mary Lou like they didn't discriminate it was kind of cross the chamber they had everyone on this thing and then I think as the day went on things got nastier and nastier and those videos emerged of people like Michael Healy Ray and Donica O'Leary from Sinn Féin being surrounded by these protesters and it was rather scary there was one point that you know, people physically could not get their cars out of Leinster House because the gates were being blocked. And I think that for a long time, people were thinking, oh, this is just on social media and these things are only happening in Europe. We'll never see this here in Dublin. And I think that day people didn't really take it in. But I think the next day there was just a sense of shock around Leinster House that such a protest could happen. And the response, in fairness, was pretty quick. We've seen protests ever since. There's been huge barriers around Leinster House and we often say in the press gallery, like they're putting up all these uh, barriers outside, the roads are all closed and oftentimes there's only like five or six protesters. So, you know, it's a waste of resources in a way, but I think it really spooked them. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the new year there's a lot, lot more of these kind of events. And we're still kind of none the wiser. Michael Ely Ray was surrounded and shouted at, said he was... He, he couldn't really describe them as protests because he had absolutely no idea what political agenda they were trying to advance. Well, I actually encountered them myself a few weeks ago. Um, I went out I went, I went out to listen to what they were saying and they took great umbrage at me laughing at their uh, conspiracy theories um, to which I told them that, you know, freedom of speech works both ways, um, <laughs> which they didn't take to Connolly to. But I mean, it's it, the, it, the conspiracy theory, we've seen it in the States with QAnon and it's, it's very worrying because even when you try and have dialogue with, with with the people who are there. They, it's just not possible. It, it's you know you're the stage, you're the media, you're the elite, and that's it. No matter what you say, like people are coming to me say, oh, you know, you're a journalist, you're X, Y, and Z. And I said, well, who, who do I work for? And they didn't know, but it was you know journalist bad. That's it. Um, but the real worrying side of this is like you've politicians who won't walk into Leinster House. You know that that they're it, like the the dial has has turned a bit in terms of safety. For, for politicians and I think it's a very worrying departure. Uh, there was a time, Kevin, where somebody expressing these opinions would have been f- almost alone but now there's an online community with whom they communicate, who affirms their opinions, who ramps it up, points them in directions of your interest in that conspiracy theory. Here's three more you might be interested in and ultimately it leads to action on the street. Yeah, and uh, I suppose the thing is f- up until 
recent years that the media liked them or loathed them where they stood on certain issues was very clear and very obvious and there was various codes and various laws that I suppose restricted where the media would go and you didn't pursue uh, certain levels of madness shall we say um, there is now an open platform there in terms of the way Twitter has gone that it is it, it is worth Twitter's time to feed you this stuff so if anybody listening I'm sure if you're on the for you bit that Twitter is selecting you're not getting um, the straight up RT news telling you exactly what's happening at the European Council today. You're more likely to get various feeds of things that are a bit more conspiratorial. And then you have the more secretive things like Telegram. So people have found a community. So once upon a time, they would try to tell this thing to their friends or their family and they would be shot down and they would be told, come back now, we'll have a little intervention here now. You need to, to come back to reality. Now they find the community, they leave family and friends behind and their new friends are among people who are of the same beliefs and they can't be convinced of anything else. I actually think it's really sad that we've ended up here and I don't know how we get back. That's the problem. Well, we're at, we're at the point where you have some of those people who said there's there's justifiable murder. I mean, that's the level that they're getting to. Mm. And the Taoiseach said something very worrying before. We, we, we asked him about threats against him when we were in um, New York and he said before, it used to be some kind of, you know, loner, some kind of someone spouting off online. But now it's people make, making these threats online who have a history of violence. And that's the worrying thing. Yeah, well, there was a time when a former Coventry City goalkeeper turned snooker commentator talking about lizard people mm. stood out for his sheer eccentricity and he, he'd struggled to stand out this weather, Christina. Yeah, look, I think it it is uh, really worrying because, you know, we've Ireland has always had sort of an accessibility to politicians. That's sort of made us very different than some other um, countries around Europe or even the UK. Um, you know, if you wanted to say something to your TD if you wanted um, help with something you know their mobile phone would be there you call into their office you can get access into Leinster House and the fear is now and speaking to politicians is um, you know yes they, they used to get somewhat some abuse or people giving out or disagreeing with their views but now there's there's open confrontation in the street um, which which is fine in terms of if it's a healthy debate and it's a politician and I don't agree what you did or you took the medical cards off or, you know, that's something that's ha- happened all the time. But if it gets down to abuse or to attacking someone um, just for, for little or no reason or being not being able to even articulate why you don't like a politician. And and the concern is as well that it's, it's not even against the government. It's not even government parties they're going for. It's literally every single politician. Um, that they feel is 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 not um, listening to them, and and it's trying to, I suppose. How do you how do you get around that? Is it is it facts? Is it trying to present um, things in in a simple? I think it's time the lizards just took off their masks <laughs> and untold the truth. Uh, Craig, you mentioned uh, talking to Leo Varadkar in New York about the level of threat, but you know the global travel. Um, of politicians they racked up some serious air miles people might say emissions this year travelling around the world on diplomatic missions and we had visitors to our shore as well which brings us to diplomatic mm-hmm. incident of the year we have four nominations three nominations on this Leo Varadkar for his intern joke in Washington uh, Matt Barrett although not a political figure but uh, was at an event with uh, political partner Matt Barrett for his Instagramming at the Royal Coronation and uh, Joe Biden for his uh, his his rugby gaff. Um, let's start with you, Craig. What what stood out for you in any of them? Oh, God, they're all so good. I mean, uh, I, I think I'm going to give it to to Matt Barrett. 
uh, because it was just the sheer, <laughs> the sheer, you know, they, the it's late night radio. You can say it, Craig. Go <laughs> on. You, you want know, them, Craig? People, you want them. I mean, it people was, need to know what I, you're talking I, I, about. I'll let Louise, Louise read from her notes on it. But I mean, it was, I mean, it's one of those events that it's so heavily uh, orchestrated around protocol, strict protocol. Don't use your phone, right? It was, it was, don't take pictures, all the rest of it. I do. But, do. But, but the, the commentary to go around it, I mean, it, it was hilarious, but it was it was also mortifying as well. Um, and I'm, I can't imagine the, the conversation that the pair of them had after uh, Miriam Lurid's story broke on that. Yeah, and uh, do you want to do you want to give us give us a sample for I'd anyone who missed to. that? <laughs> so it, this is Matt Barrett's Instagram story. Three hundred and fifty followers at the time. So he was taking pictures of the leaflet, and there was one that said uh, a, a person's job. He was clerk at the closet. To which Matt Barrett said, "I had this job uh, in, until my early twenties." Um, he compared the crown, King Charles's crown. This is during King Charles's coronation to um, Harry Potter, and he said the story had in Harry Potter he expected it to shout uh, Gryffindor there was something about the rod what was that one um, the rod he, and the orb yeah something about touching rods here and there the big sticky thing that the royals have yes. oh, it, it escapes me now that was all of them that was all of them all, 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 all very <laughs> yeah, funny I think the UK papers sort of made a big deal minds. they were like oh my god this has caused like Ireland is so embarrassed that actually everyone was like, God, that's pretty funny. Actually. <laughs> it wasn't great. It wasn't great, mate, to be fair. Uh, oh, come on. We all need a bit of humour. You're a stickler, stickler for the protocol. Kevin. Love a bit of protocol. <laughs> I mean, the protocol they had gone right. to, the pro- to the effort of printing out 50 something pages of protocol. Which one of them did you like? The, the Joe Biden a rugby gaff, Matt Barrett at the coronage. You clearly don't like that one. Leo Varadkar for his intern joke in Washington. Which one of them just for pure comedy did you like? Well, for pure comedy, I actually didn't think, I thought the Joe Biden one was fine, to be honest. I know he got an awful time about it because the Brits were hating on him at Mm. the time. So it was just a reason for the British tabloids to turn on Joe Biden right then um, because they didn't enjoy his trip here. But, I get. Well, either, I think either way, Leo Varadkar is going to win this award, no matter what, or else. Yeah. True man. I, I would give it to him for the uh, Washington intern joke, which is when he was over in Washington making a speech. As you do, you make many speeches on those trips. In fairness, and they all kind of blend into one another at the same time because you basically got your speaking points. But of course, he went off his speaking points to tell uh, one audience about how, when he was a younger man, um, he had been over in Washington. Um, but he had uh, always felt safe as an intern um, or along those lines anyway. Uh, there were reasons we, why, why parents <laughs> might have been concerned yes, about some exactly people working it. as an intern at that time in Washington. Yeah. I'll never and, forget being there. Like there was, it was one of those events we were in Washington for Paddy's Day and we were like, when we go to this event, we go to this event. Everyone's like, no, 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 we won't go. And a few of us were like, oh, we'll head along just in case something happens. And we were standing in the back of the room and we were all standing there. We were working on our phones, kind of just half listening. And one of my colleagues was like, I thought your head was going to snap off your neck. You literally, your head snapped up so fast when he said it. He was like, I thought I misheard him. And I don't think he, in fairness, well, not in fairness, actually, I don't think he realised that there was press there. But it doesn't um, matter if no, there's pressure. It's a type of joke. It's a type of joke you get away with in queues at at, (laughs) you know five to twelve after six pints of Guinness with your mates, and everyone has a little chuckle and moves on quickly. He was meeting Hillary Clinton the next day. He'd met him that morning. He'd met him that morning. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and had met Bill as well. Yeah, all in this cycle. So it was just you just can't do it. Uh, They laughed in fairness to him. Okay, well that's pretty funny. Christina, do you want, we we don't we don't have, we don't have the audio of that, and we obviously don't have the audio of Matt Barrett's Instagram. So it looks like we have a clear winner at this stage. <laughs> Christina, <laughs> uh, do you want to do you want to roll in with that? Do you, 
Yeah, like I, I did think the the Joe Biden um, black and tans one now, to be honest, was for me, that was my top right. one just because it was it probably made the most waves across the globe, perhaps maybe more than some of the others. But um, having heard my colleagues, I probably now would would either go at Matt Barrett's or, or Fradker's misstep. Okay, so. Let, let's hear Joe Biden anyway. <laughs> this was given to me by one of these guys right here. <laughs> Was a hell of a rugby player, and they beat the hell of the black and tans. There you go, <laughs> Rob Carney beat the black and tans. And again, everyone always sort of looks up and you're, did we? Did he? Did he say that? I mean, if anything, the bigger gaff on that trip was Mayo for Sam. That was not a gaff. I was there in Ballarat. Do you want to say do you have a conflict of interest in taking on this? <laughs> but I was there, and I was very, very reserved reporting on it from the stand. And he said it, and I, I went. I went native and I said oh. <laughs> to a guy from the Daily Telegraph beside me he's like what's going on here <laughs> right um, politician of the year is our most controversial award every year as people think their guy is the best politician of the year but I want to make it clear it's not uh, it's the best politician it's the one who hit the most headlines and had a certain amount of, of impact and we can be dismissed, I suppose, as hashtag mainstream media and all of that. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's let's talk through them. Uh, Craig, who's 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 your nomination? I've gone for Eamon Ryan um, because of the when you look at literally all of the green policies that that, that are lit, have been brought through. Even now, when we're talking about putting more capital spending in, that the two to one rule is there in favour of um, public transport versus roads. I think literally the amount of ministries they've had from day one was was a great bit of political uh, nous by Eamon Ryan. Um, and I think it's literally going right right the way through oh, so many government departments, the green imprint is there. And I think the Greens, perhaps some might say uh, naively, don't worry about being re-elected as much as the other parties the next time around and are more kind of policy focused. And when, okay. you, when you go down through the policies they've implemented, I, I think it's unrivaled from right. anyone. We'll come back to you for op- your opposition nominee in a second. Mm. Louise, who would you go for? Who did you who did you think did well? I'm afraid of saying this one because go I'm on. probably going to be inundated on Twitter. But I said the tarnished Demi Hall Martin. Two years um, on. Shush, Craig. <laughs> shush. Um, <laughs> but I just think in terms of the Middle East, I think he's been very, very strong. I think, you know, when you look at his trip to Israel coincided with many of the Irish citizens being released from Gaza and and we had we know up to that point that there was people on those lists being released every day and there was never an Irish citizen on it. And I think there is a feeling within government that that visit was instrumental in getting those people out. We also saw the work that he did with Emily Hand. Um, as Kevin said earlier as well, it kind of felt this time last year, everyone was talking about Micheál Martin's future and if he'd even still be around. And I think he managed to beat them off, you know, those people who were coming nipping at his heels and wanting him to leave but he's staying strong and be interesting to see if he's still there this time next year but I think in the foreign affairs portfolio he's had a very strong year Alright, Kevin who would you go for? Well I had Mihal Martin but I can't do that or oh, no, you interesting, can, you can, so you can, I, but, but anyway you can give us you'd agree with that but well, would you... I, I would in general uh, more for the latter reason which is that he probably started the year under threat and if people think back to the days of Eamon Gilmore when Eamon Gilmore took the foreign affairs role it destroyed his leadership of the Labour Party because he was abroad all the time and they came for him. Um, Micheál Martin has managed to actually... Well, austerity had a bit to do with it well, as well. Yeah, well, but, but his own party plotted behind his back while he was abroad. Micheál has gone centre stage more so actually uh, because world affairs have become a lot closer to home. But Who I, I'll else tweak, would you I'll tweak. The other The other person I had in mind for that was uh, a little lower down the ranks um, Neve Smith of Fianna Fáil 
um, for her management of that media committee. She is someone who in some ways got overlooked for a junior ministry um, when the, the coalition was formed. Um, the media committee, not the most high profile most of the time. Um, she got her moment in the in the limelight and she took it. All right, Christina. I actually have Neve Smith written down here for that exact reason. I thought that, um, you know, Fianna Fáil has often been criticised for, you know, the female representation. I think that it has uh, had over the last number of years and not putting um, some of the women out front and centre. And I think Neve Smith in particular, um, you know, I think she played a blinder in terms of um, just navigating through okay. that. In, in reverse order, give us an opposition politician you thought did um, well. An opposition politician, I think Breed Smith for me. Um, I think, you know, people for profit, um, I think, get a lot of criticism um, sometimes from the government saying that they're, you know, they're just there to give out. But, you know, she used her time really well in terms of the um, abortion review um, and, and the legislation that we have there and you know the government were trying to sort of delay it and kick it to touch and you know she used private members time and uh, you know the government had to have a free vote on that so you know it's using you know what little power I suppose they have to actually make some sort of an impact and I think she used herself right. quite uh, well there. Non-government you, you you mentioned Tom Clonan did you? Yeah I said Tom Clonan and I, 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 he would actually have been in my kind of thinking for a politician of the year. I think he's had a really strong year and I think he has brought a lot of humanity to his contributions. Um, Especially around the time of the spinal surgery. Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. And I remember, you know, the CHI were in one of the Oireachtas committees and they were talking about the spinal surgeries and Tom Clonan came in and he talked about his son Owen who has gone through this and who had a delayed surgery for spinal issues and he was talking about the difficulties that he encountered and I just think he's a great advocate for his son and I think oftentimes when you're talking about these complex issues you're hearing people talk about other people's children and I think when you have that first hand experience and you're going and talking about your own child I think it's just really strong and really powerful and I thought right. he had a very good year An opposition vigour uh, I'm going to give it to Holly Kearns um, not because the Holly the Holly Hop as it was called at the time was very short lived so Social Democrats haven't really moved the dial since her leadership but she has on a personal level I think made sure that she'll be a TD in the next doll which I don't think was guaranteed until she became leader of the party. The, the Sock Dem seat in, in Cork South West in many ways was a surprise win in the first place. But now she has put herself in a position to sh- ensure she has a long term political future, even if her party doesn't necessarily. Right. When you were given your nominations, Craig, <coughs> yeah. excuse me, Padre Tobin was one of the people you mentioned. I went for Padre Tobin because he's a, like for someone who's there by himself, he's, he's into party, but uh, I, he's he generates so much publicity out of news stories that he finds. So be it from parliamentary questions on guard numbers, even going back to uh, during COVID, uh, all healthcare stuff. I think he's he, he does such tremendous work to generate such publicity for himself, which as a one man band pays dividends that you could that so many of the others um, just simply don't get. All right. Um, you, you did actually all at some, at some point in your list of nominations uh, nominate Micheál Martin, uh, despite being leader of the party that's in charge of housing and health and all of that. <laughs> Explainers of no no shinner winners either. And we have to say Section 31 of the Broadcasting Act no longer <laughs> applies uh, in this particular building. I think what will annoy Fianna Fáilers is that Micheál Martin's popularity still isn't mm. trickling down mm. um, to, the, to, to the party base. So it might be great for Micheál Martin if he wants to go and be president at some point and for, for Brand Micheál, but for the rest of the party, they'll still be frustrated that it isn't uh, impacting on them. All right, OK. We, we, we do have to take an ad break. We're back after that. The Late Debate with Colm O'Mungan on RTE Radio 1.